very first sermon is really a book about how Yahweh deals with Jonah. It's a book about how he deals with his reluctant cultural prophet. Jonah, with you, with me, with his whole church. Um, it's a book about how he deals with us as we, as we flee from our prophetic responsibilities. And we all struggle with that. As individual Christians and as a church in general, we struggle with fleeing from our prophetic role here in, this, in our country. And so in the book of Jonah, we saw that Jonah, God lets Jonah flee from him in chapter 1. Jonah says, I'm not going to Nineveh. And so God lets him flee. But eventually, he, didn't, he did not flee beyond Yahweh's reach. So, so Yahweh intervenes into Jonah's fleeing through the perfect storm. He casts a storm upon the sea. And after that, he exposes Jonah's sin through the casting of lots. And then he hurls Jonah into the sea of discipline, where he breaks Jonah into repentance. And after Jonah repents, the Lord rescues Jonah from the watery grave through the great fish. And then he restores and recommissions Jonah to be a prophetic witness to Nineveh. And the Lord uses Jonah to, to lead a group of Gentiles, a group of pagan Gentiles, to repentance and surrendering to Yahweh. And yet, after all the grace and mercy that Yahweh shows Jonah, he gets angry when Yahweh shows that same grace and mercy to the people of Nineveh. He gets exceedingly angry with Yahweh for not destroying them, for not perishing them. Jonah believes that the people of Nineveh deserve to die. They don't deserve compassion. They don't deserve grace. And so Jonah lacks something that you need in order to be a prophetic witness. He lacks compassion. He lacks compassion for a group of people that he doesn't like. And at the end of the day, the same can be said of us at the end of the day. And I think we all, in some instances, like compassion for those that we don't think deserve our compassion. But God, in his great mercy, is going to correct us as he's going to, to correct Jonah. He's going to correct our lack of compassion. And so if you have your Bible, open it to... Jonah 4, beginning in verse 5. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade so he would see what would, come, what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a, a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Exceedingly glad because of the plant. Please pray with me for me. Father God, I pray that your spirit, Lord, will move in me today. I don't know what, feel some kind of way, I don't know what's going on, but I just ask that your spirit will move me to the side take my pride or my desire for attention away and, and that he will move and speak to your people through your word and also speak to my heart today as well. And Lord Spirit, if you don't come, if you don't move, nothing will happen. 
lives would not be changed. People would not be saved. People would not be redeemed. People would not be delivered if you don't move to it. You have to move. You have to take the word and apply it to our hearts. For it's your job. It's your role. And so open up our hearts. Open up my heart to receive the word. Let us all hear what it is that we need to hear. We all here for a reason. Whatever that reason may be, you were here. So, Spirit, minister to our hearts. I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. In Jonah chapter 3, Yahweh restores Jonah and recommissions him to, uh, his, to his role to be a prophetic witness to the people of Nineveh. He gives him a, a prophetic message to share with the people. And so Jonah eventually travels to Nineveh. He preaches out against them. He tells the people, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So now he goes and preaches this, but he goes reluctantly. He still doesn't want to go, but he goes. Because he knows that, that, that what will happen if the people of Nineveh repent. He knows that if they repent before the 40 days is over, he knows that Yahweh is going to forgive them. Jonah knows that before he goes. That's why he doesn't want to go. He knows that, that Yahweh is a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting of disaster. He knows that Yahweh will have compassion on them if they repent. Because remember in chapter 1, Yahweh tells him that, that, that they're evil. Their sin has come up before me. Now I want you to go preach out against them. But Jonah also knows that if those evil people repent, Yahweh will have compassion. He will not overthrow the city. So Jonah hopes they don't repent. I hope you know, see that in the text. He doesn't want them to repent. He wants them to perish. But his desire and his expectation are not met because the people receive his message. They receive it. They're convicted by the word that he preaches to them, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Even the king of Nineveh is convicted of the word that is preached to them. So the people repent and they return to Yahweh. And he forgives them. He has compassion on them. And in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, you see Jonah's emotional and verbal response to Yahweh's compassion to Nineveh. He is exceedingly displeased and angry. He disapproves of what Yahweh has done for the people of Nineveh. Oh, Yahweh, please take my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. It's better for me to die than to live because you did not do what I wanted you to do. He's in despair. He's not happy about what is taking place. And Nineveh is a pagan city. And these pagans confess their sin and turn to Yahweh. It should be a time of rejoicing, shouldn't it not? Celebrating, right? But for Jonah, it's the opposite. The only person in Nineveh not moved to joy is the prophet who should be joyful because of what has taken place. The prophetic witness is the only one not happy 
the only one not rejoicing. And you can even mad, and even picture in your mind, you know, Jonah's nonverbals, you know, his, his eyebrows are crossed, lips are turned up, frown on his face, shaking his head in disbelief, crossing his arms, angry, angry at Yahweh. Why? Because Jonah wants a front row seat to a death sentence. That's what he wants. He wants to be behind the glass in the execution chamber and see the people get what they deserve. Instead, he gets a front row seat to pardon. Not guilty. The gracious and righteous judge says, I forgive them. Not guilty. And the judge's verdict doesn't sit well with Jonah. It displeases him. It angers him. And Yahweh, from his holy and, and merciful throne, he sees Jonah, he, he, he sees and observes what Jonah is doing, and he asks Jonah a simple question. Do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry at my compassion and how I decide to express my compassion? And notice, Jonah, he doesn't even acknowledge the question. He doesn't even answer the question. Basically, Jonah is casting shade on God, throwing shade at him. With attitude. And he walks out of the city. You know, he leaves the city. Disappointed. Like a prosecutor who doesn't get the guilty verdict that he wants. He walks out. He's not changed. He doesn't join into the celebration. He turns his back on the city and leaves. Angry and in despair. Doesn't engage people. Doesn't reach out. Verse 5 says, Jonah went out of the city set to the east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he shall see what will become of the city. So Jonah makes a shelter for himself in shade because he's not convinced that the people's repentance is genuine. Well, sometimes we kind of feel that way when we suspect, well, that can't be real repentance. So I'm a little suspicious of so-and-so. So he's on this hill because he's suspicious. He's going to prove Yahweh's He's going to prove to Yahweh that he is justified in being angry because what I'm witnessing is not real repentance because I don't trust them. And so he's going to show Yahweh that my anger here is justifiable. The text says he's going to be there until he proves to Yahweh that his anger is right. He's going to see what happens to the city. So he sits outside waiting for the people to fail. Waiting for them to fall. You would think, you know, as a new believers, he would want to see them grow in the Lord. But no, he's out on the hill waiting for them to relapse back into their wicked ways and in hopes that when they fall, Yahweh will once again bring judgment to them. He was hoping that whenever they fall, there's still a chance that Yahweh will overthrow the city. Because again, for Jonah, they deserve death. They deserve to get judgment. They're not worthy of grace and compassion and mercy. And so what about us? What about us? See, the challenge when you're reading these prophetic books is that you, is that you can think, well, this is in time long past. It doesn't apply to my life today. It does apply to us. Jonah is you, is me. Jonah is the church. 
And so who do you have compassion for? Who, do, who are you hoping will fall and so you can feel justified in your anger? We all lack compassion for certain people or certain groups of people. For sure we lack compassion for people who we don't think deserve it. I know I do. And listen, I know the world is filled with evil people who do evil things, and they should face the consequences of their sins and crimes. Just like those men who, who kidnapped those Nigerian girls and did all sorts of inhumane things to them. Those men need to be brought to justice for what they did. But I also know that the most evil person in the world is still redeemable. Do you believe that? The enemy that you think you have is still redeemable. But do you believe it? The enemies of our country are still redeemable, but do you believe it? Or do you think Christ's blood is just too weak to save some? It saved you? Did it not? The blood of Jesus is so powerful that it can take the worst of us and still redeem us. That's how powerful it is. That's how powerful it is. We think so little of it. So little of what he can do that he can save the worst of us. It seems that those who should be the most compassionate are often the most judgmental. And look at Jonah. He should be most compassionate. But he is judgmental here. So he sits under his shelter. No, his shelter on the hill, mad, bitter, angry at Yahweh, with no compassion for the people of Nineveh. Angry because he's not going to bring judgment on them. And so, what's it like? what is Yahweh going to do with his prophet? He's going to correct him. He's going to once again supernaturally intervene into Jonah's life. And the purpose of this intervention is that he's going to shepherd Jonah's heart toward being more compassionate. So remember, Jonah, when Jonah left the city, he went to the east of the city, and he found a nice hill, built this, built this booth on the hill, and he wasn't whistling while he was working. Now he was angry. So he's building this booth out of anger. And so he made this covering for himself because it's hot outside. And so the covering was supposed to be a shade to protect him from the sun because he's hot. The brother's hot outside. Sun beats down on his head. He's in discomfort. And Yahweh sees now he has an opportunity to once again minister to Jonah. So Yahweh takes advantage of this opportunity. And he comes to Jonah in his covenant name. Did you notice that? In verse 6. Now the Lord God appointed a plant. That's Yahweh. Elohim appoints a plant. That's God's covenant-keeping name. And so God, Yahweh Elohim, he comes to Jonah. He plants this tree. He ordains it. He creates it. He controls it. He himself causes it to grow. The text says he makes it grow over Jonah's head. The plant is like an umbrella over Jonah. It's a covering. It's a shelter. And on a deeper level, the plant is grace to Jonah. It's mercy to Jonah. Look at verse 6. The Lord appoints a plant. It makes it come up over Jonah. 
that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. To save him from his discomfort. So the plant does what Jonah's man-made booth couldn't do. Save him from his discomfort. And the Hebrew word that's been translated discomfort is ra'ah. And and it's used nine times in this book. Nine times this, this word is used. It has been translated as evil. It has been translated as disaster, displeasure. And now here it's translated as discomfort. The term is used to communicate both external circumstances and internal heart issues. The, in, the external evil, there are external evils and disasters and discomfort in the book of Jonah. The perfect storm on the sea, that was an external evil or disaster for those sailors. Their lives were in jeopardy. And when the Lord relented of the, relented of the disaster he was going to bring upon Nineveh, that same word is used. And it's also used to deal with our heart issues too. The evil of the people of Nineveh. Because of their sin and Jonah's displeasure of that compassion that Yahweh showed them. And here in verse 6, both uses of this word is used when it comes to Jonah. He is, he is experiencing external discomfort because of the heat. But he's also dealing with some internal heart issues as well. And he doesn't see it. His own internal evil, his own sin in his heart. Because of his displeasure with God and his lack of compassion for other people who he thinks deserve to die. And so Yahweh is going to come and minister to Jonah in, in both of these areas. And so, and so basically Yahweh is going to be Jonah's pediatrician, for an example, his doctor. And Yahweh is going to take a needle, fill with compassion, and he's going to inject that into Jonah's discomfort in order to save Jonah from himself. The plant shades Jonah from the hot sun beating down on him. Yahweh rescues Jonah, delivers Jonah. Now, I want you to notice Jonah's response to his own salvation and his own deliverance. What does the text say? He was exceedingly glad because of the plant. He was exceedingly glad because of the plant. I want you to see how different his response is to his own salvation deliverance than the response it was when God gave the same thing to the people of Nineveh. When God delivered Nineveh, what did he say? He said, it displeased Jonah greatly, and he was angry. But now that he's been saved from his discomfort, all is good. All is good. I'm happy now. He's exceedingly happy and glad because of the plant. His responses here are like bookends. He doesn't like compassion when it's given to others, but when it's given to him, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. He's exceedingly glad. The the literal translation of this verse is, Jonah rejoices because of the plant with exceedingly joy. He rejoices because of the plant with great joy. Think about that. Great joy now. Now he's happy. Now he's rejoicing. And not only that, 
He's now pleased with Yahweh. He's pleased with him now. He approves of the plan. Not angry with your Lord. Happy with the Lord. He's glad about the plant. And you know why he's glad? Because he benefits from the plant. That's why he's glad. He benefits from it. And so, what does this show you about Jonah? What does it show you about yourself? What does it show you about me? What does it show you about people? It shows you that we approve of things that we benefit from, basically. If we're benefiting from it, well, we're going to give it our stamp of approval. It shows that we care more about our own deliverance than that of other people, particularly those people we don't think deserve it. It shows that people are not naturally compassionate to others. Do you believe human beings are by birth compassionate people? Is that the Sunday school answer? Or do, when you look at your life, what do you really believe about humanity? Are we compassionate beings naturally? No. Why are we not? Selfish. Genesis 3 is real. The struggle is real, people. Genesis 3. The fall. It happened. Jonah's actions here shows that we can hate on the deliverance given to others who we think don't deserve it, while at the same time rejoice when we get the same thing. It's crazy, isn't it? This is what I call the Jonah syndrome. The Jonah syndrome. We all got it. It's what happens when believers forget they were, they, they were once on the same judgment that they think other people deserve. Under the same judgment. On the same judgment. What was your initial response to Baltimore? When you first read about it, when you first saw it, the news report, what was your initial response? Because your initial response, that's who you are. What was your initial response? Compassion over the brokenness? Or those people just getting what they deserve. What was your response? Because your first response, that's who you are. So when you look at the brokenness in our country, the brokenness around the world, the brokenness in Nigeria, when you see these things, what is your response to them? As a believer, what is your response? Jesus' response would be compassion. Those people need me. Those people need my kingdom. Those people need my love. But his people... Us, when we see things like that, do we have that same compassion? Are we filled with that same compassion? Or are we indifferent? Are we judgmental? Or do we think those people just give them what they deserve? What's your response? What's your response? In the movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf the Grey and Frodo have an interesting conversation about the creature Gollum. And if you've seen the movie, you know Gollum plays a very important role in all three movies. And this conversation between Gandalf and Frodo is connected to a scene in the Hobbit trilogy. And if you've seen the movie, there's a scene where Bilbo has an opportunity to take Gollum's life. If you've seen the movie. He actually pulls out his sword and he's getting ready to strike Gollum. But at the last moment, 
He doesn't. He spares him. He spares his life. And when you fast forward many, many years later, um, back to this conversation with Gandalf and Frodo, this is what Frodo says to Gandalf of Gollum. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he had a chance. And Gandalf says, pity? It was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. Many that live deserve death. Some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them, Frodo? Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise cannot see all ends. Do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. For even the very wise of us cannot see all ends. The very person you think deserves judgment could be a a jewel in God's kingdom. But you can't see that. Because you can't see past what they do. Can you? We can't. We can't see it. But Yahweh sees all ends. He does. Every believer in this room has been delivered from their sins through the blood of Christ. And thank God that he's not so eager to pass judgment on you. That he's, he, he stayed the sword. He didn't pull out the sword. Instead, he pulled out a cross and sent his son to die on it for your behalf. Thank God for that. Jesus' blood is the cover over you like the plant that covers Jonah. That's Christ's blood over you. Shading you from God's wrath. Protecting you from God's wrath. Redeeming you from God's wrath. He rescues you from the discomfort of your sin. His blood is your umbrella. It's your shade. You're under him. And you should want other people to join you. So that means you need to go back to Nineveh and join in the celebration with them. Because you are them. I'm them. This is our Nineveh. Huntsville, Baltimore, wherever we are. This is Nineveh for us as a church. And we have a responsibility to be prophetic witnesses to everybody regardless of who they are. Because we have a message of hope that can deliver people from their brokenness. You see, a prophetic church with a prophetic voice and a prophetic witness will also be a compassionate church as well. Even compassionate to those who are different than you. Even your enemies. You say, well, that's impossible to do. But that's the beauty of Christianity. That's the beautiness of Christianity, that we will send compassion to those who hate us. Do you know how Christianity took over Rome? How did Christians take over Rome? Because the Christians in Rome served the least of those. They had compassion on their enemies. When the Romans were abandoning their kids, it was Christians who took them in. When Romans would not help the sick, it was Christians who were helping the Roman sick. They were being extending compassion to their enemies. And the Father used that to bring glory to himself. And the same can be used for us, for the church in America. That will we extend compassion? 
true compassion for those who are different than us, those that we consider to be our enemies. I said, what could that mean, Alex? It could mean making friends with those who live a different lifestyle than us. It could mean being friends with those ladies who go into the abortion clinic, being their friend, getting to know them. It could mean a lot of different things. So when you look at your life and where God has you, wherever your role may be, he's called you to be his witnesses for his glory. Be like your heavenly father who had compassion on you while you were his enemy. Think about that. You were God's enemy, and he withheld the sword from you. You should do the same for other people. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you withheld the 